Welcome to the Agoracom podcast, where investors discover great small cap companies. Thank you for taking Agoracom with you and make sure to follow our podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, our production of Gorecom, in which, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives after they put out big news. Uh, and guys, record revenue again for another quarter at a reclaim, which trades on the stock symbol MYID, my ID in Canada, MYIDF in the US. To understand the company, first you have to understand that $400 billion, $400 billion global private data industry is going through a massive paradigm shift towards protecting data. And that's playing right into the hands of Reclaim. Why? Global government regulations are forcing platforms like Facebook and Twitter and brands and data companies to protect consumer data privacy. So as a result, big tech companies are reducing access to core data that the industry depends on. Pardon me, guys. And major lawsuits are already being filed against Fortune 500 and big data brokers. And why is that happening? Well, for years, consumer data has been amalgamated and sold. That's our data without any of our knowledge. So enter Reclaim, who's got the solution that's going to drive uh, the growth in the company. They're creating what they call a fair trade market, where consumers like us can represent ourselves and how our data is being used, if at all. Um, essentially, they're going to become, think about Spotify, the, the Spotify equivalent platform, that plays your data. Imagine if you're a singer, you get paid royalties. Well, they play your data and we get paid for it. That makes them the only company in the world providing consumers access to their data and the only company in the world providing consumers with a weekly guaranteed paycheck. And more than just lip service, in case you're wondering, ah, oh, sounds like a good idea. Are they executing? Yeah. Q2 was $645,000 in revenue. That was up 277% year over year. Balance sheet, cash equivalents about $1.1 million. And now the Q3 financial results are out with revenue up 217% to 1.64 million. Neil, welcome back, my friend. Nice to be here. I always like the intro and uh, I always like how you draw the parallel between ourselves and Spotify. That notion of uh, what we refer to as a digital royalty is something that we think is going to become prominent and part of every consumer's um, literally day-to-day -day life. Um, so glad to be here. Yeah, it's hard to imagine that. But that, I, and I got that analogy from you when we we're speaking off camera one time. And I said, that's a great way to describe it. So George's music, which is my data, you know, is playing on your platform. And if somebody wants it and they want to, you know, listen to it and I've, I've, I've given my permission, it plays, they get my data and I'm getting checks. And it blows me away that a couple of years from now, three years from now, these checks are just going to get bigger and bigger, right? It's a brand new paradigm shift we've never seen. Yeah. And I think, I mean, what's important to acknowledge is that the digital royalty is already happening. You're just not getting paid for it. So right, right. Really, that, that, that call it hydro meter or that royalty meter is ticking thousands and thousands of times a day, but there is no distribution of funds back to the, back to the owner. So, you know, I think what's nice about the metaphor around Spotify is that when you talk about a digital royalty and there's this, this sort of drip associated with getting paid for your data, people can understand that. What they also need to understand, and I use this as an example all the time, is that Justin Bieber doesn't complain about kind of the rate that he gets for the single play of his song on Spotify. 
that it's the accumulation of those streams that really kind of drives the revenue. And so that's the one thing that consumers need to understand is that people understand the concept of a digital royalty. They want to go from zero to hero overnight and say, oh, I want to make $1,000 a day. Well, at one point in time, there was one Uber driver uh, and then there was lots of riders. And then as time went on, they started making more money. Well, similarly, the same thing works with, with royalties is that as more and more people access and use this data intuitively, that dollar figure that you're going to generate is in, is in turn going to go up. What's important first and foremost is somebody somewhere has got to create the ecosystem to allow that to happen. That's what we've created here is that we have a universal payment rail. You know, we have 90% of the North American population in our ecosystem. Um, we are the only company in the world that's paying people for the use of their data, you know, and, and so, you know, I think we've got a lot of really good ingredients to make a really interesting cake. Um, but we're doing something that doesn't really exist on the planet. So um, it's not easy, but we're making progress. That's for sure. Well, look, uh, 20 years ago, I don't think any of us imagined Spotify, right? We we're buying, you know, discs. We thought that was great. And then Aiden comes up with iTunes and we're downloading individual songs and paying 99 cents to 2.99. And we never foresaw that. I could, you know, you know, go onto a platform now and just play all this music. And on the flip side, for the artists, which is what we are, right? The consumers are the artists. We're going to start getting paid every time those. Are. So I, 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 people should be able to see that, even though they may not, you know, they can't see and believe it. You just have to know that that's what happened there. That's what's going to happen here. Yeah, it's happening, and I, I you know, we don't need to dwell on this, but I think. It's important to know people ask me about this space you know when we ventured into this space and we made a bet that the data that 400 500 billion dollar data market was going to change we made that bet two years ago i'm more right now than i was then that's for showing up in the numbers so let's talk about that because if you were just talking an idea hey george i got an idea okay it'd be great but man you'd be a long way from it but here we are q3 1.65 million dollars in revenue that's up 217% year over year, which on its own would be a fantastic number. But then when you consider the fact you're bucking the trend against all growth tech companies right now who are actually either growing way slower or they're or they're actually losing uh business and their and their numbers are way off. How are you bucking the trend? Is the is the is the paradigm shift towards data so powerful that you can buck all other trends in the global tech tech world? Well, we're small. So, I mean, you're working with a smaller number, I mean, than say a Facebook for sure. Um, demand and growth, I don't think really is our challenge. Um, there's a lot of demand for what we have to offer. We're a small company. I think our challenge is really how do we kind of take advantage of that? And, you know, any company that's as small as we are, you have to be really smart as to how, how you're allocating your time, your emotional and your financial capital. So like we have to pick and choose our spots. I think what Q3 is in Q2 as well represents is that we're 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 choosing good spots where we're choosing higher margin reoccurring larger 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 clients and that's manifesting in our business so not only are we returning clients for larger amounts we're also adding increasingly more fortune 500 clients and in addition to that like any other product, we're increasing our distribution, which increases our opportunity for our data to be purchased. So you take those things and combine it with 
a tailwind of compliance and, and privacy. And, you know, we've got a lot of things work definitely working in our favor. Um, so I just think that you should, you should expect this trend to continue for the, for the future. Um, our question isn't so much about, you know, how do we do one six, you know, where we are right now, or how do we do another quarter? It's more about what are the levers that we can be pulling internally to actually be driving the number even faster, um, not slower. So that's, that's the, that's the thinking internally. And for, for people who are still learning about reclaim, cause they're still learning about it. You're attracting fortune 500 companies because they need to have data that's clean, which means permission has been given to share this data. They don't want to face these multi, these hundred, $200 million lawsuits that we're starting to see from groups are saying, Hey, you're using my data and a bunch of our data and you have, don't have our permission. So is that, that's a real driving force why they, they're you don't have you don't you're not selling this they need it from you yeah there there is i mean it's not dissimilar to kind of a macro shift from a combustion engine to an ev no one's debating that the entire auto market needs to move to electric the whole data market needs to move from third-party unconsented data to first-party consented data it's not that different than kind of the transition that has to happen in the market so yes you're bang on that companies today are having to ensure that the data that they are ingesting is compliant because it's not a marketing issue anymore. It's a legal issue. And if you are ingesting data without being aware of kind of what you're ingesting, all you're doing is ingesting liability. And what's happened over the course of the last year and a half is I refer to them as the four horsemen of kind of data where you've had regulatory change, which is manifested in product or OEM change, think Apple and Google, which has resulted in consumer awareness, which is now resulting into the last stage, which is litigation. So, you know, your, your viewers will, that have an iPhone will see a modal window that asks them, do you allow application A to track you on other applications? 90% of consumers say no, whereas historically they never asked and they tracked you anyways. So that is a very clear example of when presented with opportunities consumers, uh, you know, usually bend into the notion that they don't want to be tracked. The whole data market up until now has, has, has benefited from you not being asked that. And it kind of requires you to say, yes. Yeah. So there is a massive supply crunch coming as it relates to the data market. Um, it's being driven by the changes in Apple and Google. Uh, it's being driven by the changes in regulation. It's being driven by the changes in litigation and consumer awareness. So literally every single company, including the Fortune 500, needs to find a partner that can continue to provide them with data that has scale, that has fidelity, and has consent. You start adding those three things together, you're going to come up with on maybe, maybe one hand, the number of partners that can supply that. So, you know, that trend isn't going backwards. And I say this all the time. It's unfortunate that a lot of these companies are sort of letting people go, but a lot of those big tech companies, Facebook being a good example, are letting people go because of changes in privacy. They took a yep. $10 billion write down and that's hurting their bottom line. So, you know, privacy is real. It's not going away. Every company needs a new partner. Reclaim stands to benefit from that. The challenge for a company of our size is how do we, how do we get bigger? How do we scale faster? How do we move faster? That, that's really what we're always kind of thinking about. And how do we do it in a profitable kind of cash flow neutral way that we don't want to be reckless. We want to do it in a, in an accretive fashion. And you're bucking the trend there, by the way, and you had a gross profit of just over a hundred thousand dollars, which most people say has no big deal, but 
we all got to remember high growth, fast growing tech companies are usually losing buckets of money uh, in order to buy their way to grow. So you're actually, you know, you're actually, uh, you're actually delivering gross profit over a hundred thousand dollars for the quarter, along with, you know, 270% top line growth. That's, that's pretty damn good combination, Neil. Well, that's done on purpose. So, you know, I think, um, look, you've got to be living under a rock if you don't kind of understand the market that we're operating in right now is that you can be a great, sexy looking technology company, but if you're burning boatloads of cash, nobody's interested in you. We knew that. And we, you can go back to Q4 of last year and we started, to, we were telling the market, we are stripping costs out of this business to improve margin and profitability. And that was really more of a byproduct that you need to build infrastructure and product to house hundreds of millions of profiles of individuals. It's not trivial, right? So you've got to build the architecture first and foremost. And we've been saying this, you have to build scale, you have to build distribution. If you do not build those two things first, you are going to get capped on revenue. What you're seeing now is us taking advantage of the, the CapEx that we've done historically while kind of stripping those costs out. But, you know, I think for us, you know, we don't need a huge CapEx infusion here to grow this business. Um, so incremental sales are a margin play for us. So I think if you look at where we were at the beginning of the year, we were negative 100% on margin. Like you've gone full, you've gone through the full life cycle where everything I've been saying specifically around, look, we're getting to cash neutral, we're stripping out the unnecessary costs, you're now starting to see it, you know, manifest in, in the product. And I think it's not only to kind of put the company in a position to, you know, deal with the market as it's existing today, because we're not burning hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash, um, but it sort of sets you up for, you know, how how can you continue to drive profitable, you know, profitable growth? And I think in today's environment, that's increasingly what investors are looking at. Show me a company that's growing and not burning cash that's in a market where they're potentially, you know, that number one player in a $500 billion market, that's more appealing than kind of the latter example. Yeah, just look at the FANG stocks, what's happened to them, even the likes of Shopify and other guys, they're getting punished for 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 growing kind of recklessly, especially, especially fate, I know it's meta, but we, you know, we still refer to as Facebook, who are just getting punished despite the fact they're the behemoth and so well-loved, they're no longer the darling. Stock is down up almost 70% at his bottom. Yeah, I think this will be okay. <laughs> What's that? It's still at fifty billion dollars in EBITDA. I think they'll be all right. You know? Yeah, yeah, but still, you know, the, they're not yeah, growing. Thirds but... of their market cap chopped off because they've been kind of recklessly spending money to get there. So you know, Wall Street's kind of slapped them hard. M and A is a big part of your growth because, at the end of the day, Neil, you're going to need. I mean, you're going to grow organically, but ideally, you want a hundred thousand, a million, ten million Georgias on the platform, and you. And you can't acquire all of them organically. So MA is a big part. You've got an acquisition on the table and you've got, you know, let's talk about the pipeline because uh, we know this acquisition is on the table. So we're waiting to see when that closes. How's the pipeline look? Because a lot of those are your competitors that have dirty data and, and won't let go or don't want to let go of their old business models. But are they starting to see the light more and more since we last spoke? Are they starting to realize I better team up with Reclaim let them, you know, clean clean up my data. Otherwise, I'll have nothing left at the end of the day. I mean, some of them are. Some of them are delusional, but that's okay. I mean, there's there's plenty of those companies. I mean, I think we we don't have a short list of people that you know are available in the market. I think the combination of privacy plus sort of what's happening in the economy is making a lot of people look around for what the plan is in the future. 
um, even if there wasn't sort of, a, if, even if there wasn't potential softening in the economy, you still have companies wondering, how am I going to sell third-party data to a Fortune 500 company who is now trying to de-risk themselves? Like you'll see this in January. I mean, the Attorney General of California has already started sending letters out to people. They just sued Sephora as an example. Every Fortune 500 company is using Sephora as an example. Do you want to get a letter from the Attorney General? The answer is no. So, you know, I think, um, you know, that's the stuff that's that's kind of compounding the reduction in supply. So, um, yeah, we're trying to get this one one deal finished and closed. Um, you know, I think for us, the reason that we're doing is one, we will not do a deal that is not cash flow positive. Like, I'm not doing that because that kind of sets us back and it's not something I kind of really want to do. We will only look at kind of cash flow positive type deals because for us, what the markets kind of told us is that they're like, look, we like you guys. We like your story. We like the momentum. We want you to get bigger, faster. And we get it. Um, so we can't, there, the, the, you know, the, the math will suggest that there's only so fast that we can grow organically. If you're growing 100, 200, 300%, like that's pretty fast. You're going to need to supplement that growth with some M&A. So, you know, if you can put profitable M&A growth on top of triple digit organic growth and you're bringing in businesses that are kind of cash flowing the business um, on top of an organic business that is already cash neutral, that's how you compound faster for sure. So what I'm fixated on is, you know, how do you get to 10 million in top line generating free cash flow? What's the plan to do that? And how long is it going to take? And so, yeah, we've, we've got a handful of, 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 of companies that we're interested in and we're, we're looking at. I mean, like anything, deals, got, deals have to fall apart five times before they actually ever kind of manifest into something real. But, you know, I think for us, there's 500 data brokers in California alone. Right. And you don't need 500 deals to happen. You need exactly five. What do you, what's your ideal a year from now, if you had all your druthers and you said, hey, Neil, what's a number that you'd like to see in terms of acquisitions? Two. Would, what's a number ballpark? Two. Two. Wow. Okay. I thought you were going to say five or 10. <laughs> I don't need it because again, I think the intention here is, you know, you can take a bigger bite of the apple on every subsequent deal. That's the idea, right? So, you know, I think the plan for us is, look, we're a public company. So we need the stock to be moving. The stock acts as powder and capital to help fuel further M&A. You do one deal, the stock moves, the market cap moves, then the, sec the second deal becomes less dilutive. There's no cash in the deal. It's more stock. Like, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a recipe associated to this. And this is, this is what we're looking at. I mean, ultimately, if we're, I think, what where there's an acknowledgement is that you know if we if we're not doing that and we're not kind of thinking about m a and, and the stock there's no point in us being a public company we might as well be private sure. right so but if if you if you're not gonna if if you're not gonna do m a and use the stock what's the point um so i think this is us growing up a little bit as a public company realizing what the market wants we've got our house in order we know what the market wants we're trying to give the market what it wants um, and, but we're not doing that recklessly. It's got to align with kind of what we believe is going to help the overall business. We're not doing things for the sake of doing them. So, you know, I think one or two acquisitions here, if, if those acquisition acquisitions are, are, are a little bit bigger than it, than the one before it, those two acquisitions in combination with, you know, your organic is going to get you to that goal that I mentioned of trying to get to like 10. Wow. So, 
Um, and I've got to imagine if there are 500 companies out there that are worried about their future, you've got more than a couple of George Com datas that are talking to you. Uh, it's going to take time, but I got to assume you've got more than enough prospects to get to that number. Well, we, yeah, there's more than enough prospects, but I think that the the M&A component too helps a little bit with awareness is that we don't run into many people that say, this is a dumb idea and you guys don't know what you're no. doing. Like that doesn't happen. I think more often than not, people say, well, why aren't, why aren't more people doing this? And why aren't more companies working with you? Like, because we're small and, you know, the bigger we get, you know, the more, the more, the more of a radar kind of we can put out there. So the more Fortune 500 companies you get, you know, the more consumers you get, the more you pay consumers, the more consumers you get. So like there's a flywheel in there. So we need the growth of the business and the top line to kind of pull the visibility of the company along with it too. Um, you can't do that. I mean, I think for us, like we can't, we can't sit or we can't be this small company forever. We've got to, we've got to push in here and kind of and get and get bigger faster because I think the trend is only accelerating this space. And when it hits its inflection point, the market needs to look around and realize that Reclaim is the solution because it is the default biggest brand player in the space. And that's when you will see, hopefully, um, that's where your growth is going to go like that, right? So, well, it just seems like all the possible factors you could want to align with you as a tailwind are is happening right now. So it makes sense to go for that growth. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing what other new, you know, seeing how this acquisition goes uh, and seeing how other potential, hopefully other, uh, another potential acquisition that is announced in the near future. But in the meantime, is it safe to say as we, as we head towards the end of the year here, about three weeks or so, people are going to start shutting down, you know, biz dev, I think. How happy are you with what you guys have been able to do uh, in 2022 and position yourself to achieve that dream of yours that you start thinking years before anybody else in 2023. I mean, I'm, I mean, there's parts of 22 that I'm happy with. I think 22 has been tough really on a lot of businesses in, you know, I think for us, we sort of saw what people are seeing in the market. Now we saw a number of months ago. And so um, we leaned into a lot of that stuff before the rest of the world did. Um, that's not fun stuff to do. And so I think like what we did is, We've kind of put our companies, I always say this is com companies don't grow incrementally. They almost grow like in steps, like you hit like a plateau and then you take this jump up. Then the question becomes, what do you need to do to take this jump up? I think that's kind of what we did in 22. We had a bit of a reset on what's working, what's not working, where are we allocating our time? What are we putting our money into? Why are we doing that? Like, how are we accelerating? You know, those are all necessary questions that everybody needs to be asking. So, you know, I think I'm happy with the changes and the things that we've done in and around the company um, to set us up for that next stage of growth. Um, but, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I like to go forward, right? So like for me, I like going forward and I like going fast. I felt like 22 was still a lot of going, still a lot of going fast, still a lot of going forward, but I felt like we were doing a lot of recalibration on what we were doing to kind of put us in a position to take advantage of that next stage. So Net net, I mean, I think the company's never been better. Uh, like the economics of the company have literally never been better. Um, it, the stock is the stock, but I think we're in a good position to really continue the growth from here. That's for sure. I got to tell you, just from that last minute of you talking there, the one intangible that people should be picking up is most small cap CEOs would be beating their chest 
with these kind of results, you know, 1.65 in a quarter, that's up 217%. They'd be, they'd be beating their chest and yelling from the top of the rooftops. But I like the fact that you're happy with it, but you're not content. Uh, and you can see that in you, which is okay, great, George, but we got to keep going. And that's rare to find. And, uh, yeah. and, and that's a great, you know, that, that bodes well for the future reclaim last word to you, my friend. Yeah. I mean, I think like, I'm, I'm sort of content, but I'm pretty competitive. So like, for me, like when I'm happy is when we win, that's what I'm actually happy about. So uh, we haven't won yet. There's a lot of work to do here still, but I think where there's validation for everybody associated to this business is what we said before is that privacy is not going backwards. We leaned into this a number of years ago, everything that we thought was going to happen is happening and it's even happening. It's happening at an increasingly faster rate. So we're set up to do, you know, to do quite well here. Um, you know, ultimately, I think you come to January, there's new legislation in California. It's the beginning of the enforcement period, which is basically going to see a free for all for legislation throughout the US. You're going to continue to see these addressability cha- challenges in Apple and Google. And just for everybody, like what that means is that Apple and Google are becoming completely walled gardens, which means no data will leak from them. So any company that has a dependency on those platforms for data is going to be sucking air. Like they're going to, they're going to starve. So that's what I mean about the massive sort of supply crunch. So you have privacy legislation, you know, changes in OEMs, like these things are all accelerating in January. So we're, we're well set up to take advantage of them. So that part I'm looking forward to, that's for sure. Well, congratulations on a fantastic Q3 which follow on the success of a fantastic Q2. Um, and and uh, and can't wait to see what you're going to deliver in 2023 based on what you're saying. But it almost sounds like, I'll say this, I'll, summarize, I'll, I'll, I'll end it off with, it almost sounds like you're going to be Forrest Gump. You may be the last shrimp in boat, uh, you know, getting all that business and picking up all that shrimp because all your competitors uh, are going to be having major problems. And, you know, the world is going to be coming to reclaim uh, when that supply crunch happens. So maybe- yeah, I, I laugh because I feel like I'm like Michael Berry from the big short. I'm a drum kit and a glass eye away from like being in front of <laughs> you know, the change in uh, be seeing things before things are happening. But I've been pounding this drum for a long time. So um, it's coming. That's for sure. It's coming. So when it comes, uh, I won't tell you I told you so, but you can come back to this interview. Oh, we'll have this, we'll have these clips to play. We'll get NFT these clips one day, <laughs> so people say it's got these like these like the Google Garage, you know, little notes that people are scribbling, right? Well, these video clips, the last one we took today, we're gonna be selling those NFTs and say, well, here, here's here's the NFT clip of what Neil called, you know, three years before everybody else was on it. But congratulations, can't wait to have you back soon, Neil. All right, man, thanks so much. So everybody at home, you've been watching or you've listened by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform. To Neil Sweeney, is the CEO of Reclaim Trades in Canada, my ID, M-Y-I-D, in the U.S., my IDF, M-Y-I-D-F. Guys, the numbers, you've heard them. The paradigm shift, you've heard. Uh, the tailwinds, you've heard them all. And most importantly, the Q2 numbers, the Q3 numbers. This is long past being a great idea. This is being executed right now. And remember, if you need to keep this all straight because it's a brand new industry, brand new things that you're seeing for the first time, remember, it's almost like the Spotify equivalent platform that plays your data to get you paid. And if you remember that, well, then 12 months from now, we will, neither of us have to tell you 
We told you so. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. See you next time. Hey guys, this podcast is over. Don't forget to help your company by liking it or even leaving a comment. And then don't forget to help yourself by following us on Spotify, Google, Apple, or on your favorite podcast platform so you will never miss another one great Agora Gomez Mocha podcast.